morning, church. Oh, wow, that's loud. <laughs> uh, my name is Kathy Coy. My husband, Danny, and I have been attending Grand Point Church since August of 2011. Um, we are currently involved in the Life Support Sunday School cl class. I'm sorry, I'm nervous. Um, and uh, we're also involved in a small circle group. And my husband, of course, is involved in uh, the, the ushering. The scripture we're reading today is from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kathy. There are two books of the Bible that are preached less than any other books in the Bible. Coming in number two is the Revelation. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of pastors don't want to preach the Revelation because there's so many different interpretations of it and we don't quite know what to do with it. But coming in as number one, the least preached book in the Bible is the Song of Solomon. Let me tell you why. Uh, the Song of Solomon is actually this uh, love affair, a uh, story of the love affair between King Solomon and his uh, uh, Shunammite uh, maiden. And it actually includes this whole litany of pickup lines. So, so here's what Solomon does. So he's out there with this woman uh, one night, and he looks at her, and he's like, hey, babe. Because I liken you to my, my darling to a mare harnessed to one of Ferris' chariots. Guys, go ahead and tell your woman that she looks like a horse. Let me know how that turns out. <laughs> this is what he's doing here. So another pickup line is this. He's like, hey, your hair falls like in, like in waves, like flocks of goats frisking across the slopes of Gilead. Oh, that one might work. I've never used it, but that one that kind of makes sense. The, the, the other pickup line is like, hey, your teeth, babe, your teeth are like a, shock, a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. I never thought of using that. <laughs> never thought of telling Penny, I, I, I'm glad you have all your teeth. Like, you know, it just never dawned on me. And he uses some other body parts, and he says, they're like twin fawns of a gazelle. You see why we don't preach this? <laughs> what do we do with this? I'm telling you what, this book of the Bible makes Walmart's romance novel section look cheesy. <laughs> So, but, but here's the thing, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, he mentions this vineyard. 
which is what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. He mentions this vineyard and the importance of protecting it so that it might bear much fruit. So this is the final message. For those of you joining us online, for those of you maybe in the house, first time guests, uh, we've been in this series called Much Fruit because it is exactly what God's desire and intention is for every one of his people. He wants us to bear much fruit in our lives and whether it's the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that whole list, or fruit of righteousness, whatever it is, he wants our lives to bear fruit. So we've been talking about this and in the Bible, there are many different uh, examples and illustrations of how God defines his people. So one time he even says to Israel, he says, uh, Israel, you're like this fig tree. Another time in Psalm chapter one, he says, the righteous person is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But in John chapter 15, he uses the imagery of the vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. In other words, the vineyard is going to be healthy. And we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. What makes a healthy vineyard? Well, it was the cultivation of soil. It was abiding in the vine. It was pruning the branches and all those things. And we're going to talk about one more of those uh, things yet today that talks about uh, the health of the vineyard. So in the Song of Solomon, Solomon uses the imagery of a vineyard for a relationship in marriage. And he's making the point that if you don't intentionally protect that relationship, it can easily be destroyed. All of us who have been in a marriage or are in a marriage, we know that, right? If you don't protect it, if you don't do some intentional things with it, it, it can, it can uh, kind of uh, unwind. Uh, let me just give you a little news alert. Uh, you ready for this? Uh, you, you probably already know this, but there is someone who is really the enemy of your soul. There is someone out there who's the enemy of everything that is good, everything that is true, everything that is wise, everything that is beautiful. There's really someone out there who does not want to see you grow. They do not want to see you change. There's someone out there who is fighting against the unity, the understanding, and the love in your marriage and in all kinds of relationships. And the Song of Solomon describes this someone as a little fox who has the potential to destroy the vineyard. So, so what I want to do in this last message, I want to talk to you, first of all, about vineyards. We're going to talk about foxes. And I'm just going to lay it all out and talk about those foxes that have a tendency to creep their way into our vineyards. And I think we need to talk about that, and we need to end with that awareness. Let me talk, first of all, about vineyards. Man, a well-maintained vineyard is an amazing sight. They're Instagrammable. Right? We can look at these pictures of the vineyards, right? the best vineyards in the world, and it gives you a sense of why Jesus would have used this imagery to describe his desired relationship with us. I mean, just the imagery of a vineyard speaks of abiding and connection and peace and abundance. It's a beautiful sight. Those who visit vineyards uh, say that that is even more exciting. Like, I, I'm not a vineyard person. I don't do a lot of tours of vineyards or, or wineries. But if, if you do, that's even more exciting, which is exactly why uh, tours to vineyards and wineries in Italy and other parts of Europe are famous among tourists. Expensive, but they will still try it. In California, there's the famous uh, Napa Valley. Pictures and acres and acres of vineyards in this valley conjure up images of romance and bliss. People love to visit there. In fact, people retire in Napa Valley. 
Now, to own and manage a vineyard requires a lot of time, and it requires a lot of effort. It's not an easy task. It requires skill and dedication, patience, money, energy. It's not uncommon for a vintner to actually sell his or her vineyard because they don't have time. They don't have time to take care of it. It is even said that fine wine is romantic, but owning a vineyard is not. It's a lot of work. For those of you maybe that have the backyard vines or vineyards, you know the work that goes into this. Before you see the bunches of grapes on the vine, you would undergo this arduous process such as vineyard and site development, clearing, road development, rock removal, seed selection, planting, weeding, pruning, disease, pest control, and, and all of that. And then you have the grapes. Now, the critical stage throughout the growing season of grapes is the time between the bloom and the raisin, which is the onset of ripening. So when there's the blossom and the ripening time, that is the critical stage uh, for the grapevine. Every flower that comes onto that vine has the potential of turning into a grape. And if not managed well, there could be only a few or actually no fruit at all. And that is why Jesus used the imagery of the vineyard to describe our relationship with him. He says in John 15, verse five, I am the vineyard, you're the branches. You abide in me, I abide in you, you will bear much fruit for apart from me, we can do what? Nothing, nothing at all. See, we are totally dependent on the vine for everything. When you're connected to the vine, your life is beautiful. When you're connected to the vine, your marriage is amazing. And if we as a church are connected to the vine, there's this abundance of fruit that is growing out of us. Now, you may not know this, but when you are abiding, your life is attractive and there are tourists that are coming to look at you. These tourists are your kids. They're your grandkids. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're watching you. They are looking at you. There's a whole community of people right now outside of Grand Point Church, around Grand Point Church, that are watching us. They're wanting to see what happens when we abide and how we bear fruit in our culture. So we all have some tourists, but remember there's someone else that is looking at you, right? So when your life is in full bloom, when God is doing some things in you and you're bearing fruit and listen, by now we should be, right? We're all the way through this series. We ought to be abiding and bearing much fruit. And I'll tell you, when there's new blossoms coming out of your life, the enemy will take notice. He's gonna work on that. He's gonna come at you. And we need to be aware of that. And so when Peter was given his instructions to the elders in the book of First Peter, he said to these elders, he said, hey, you know, you're overseeing all these churches and things, but here's what I want you to do. You need to be watchful because your adversary, the devil, you have an adversary. That adversary is the devil. And that devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, now, we know that. That's pretty obvious, right? A roaring lion is not something that is kind of, you know, just sneaking in. So we know when these big enemies, the enemy comes at us in big ways. But I want you to know today, the enemy also comes as a little fox. So, so we talked about vineyards. Let me tell you about foxes. Foxes are related to wolves, jackals, or dogs, and, and they eat meat. That's what I thought. I thought foxes eat meat. They catch rabbits and stuff like that. My research indicated, no, they eat vines 
and they also eat grapes. So they're most active, uh, a fox uh, is most active after sunset and before dawn. A fox has a high level of intelligence, which is why they actually walk through streams or sometimes even on the top of fences in order to throw off the scent of, of a predator. They display this extraordinary understanding. They can even steal a meal from their top predators. Foxes are also highly social animals. Uh, they have companions or packs with them. They give birth from up to one to 10 pups. They easily multiply. I mean, other than all of that, they bring bacteria and viruses with them wherever uh, they go. But here's what you need to know is that foxes work the vineyard. Foxes work the vineyard. In early spring, the foxes bite off the new shoots of the grapevines, sometimes even chew away at the roots of the vine. And if they can't kill the vine or the branches, then they'll eat the fruit as it develops. And that's exactly why Solomon said in Song of Solomon 2.15, catch the foxes. Catch the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for the vineyards are in blossom. Listen, if this scripture tells us anything, it tells us that when something is alive and growing, there will be dangers to that growth, if it's new growth. And Solomon calls these dangers little foxes. Do you know what those foxes are? These little foxes represent little, little sinful things, little harmless habits, little compromises that we, we allow into our lives. And they sneak in after sunset, so they're difficult to notice. And if we do notice them, they don't appear to be too dangerous. In fact, we might take pictures of them, right? And, and we kind of think they're cute. So Thursday was an amazing day, wasn't it? 72 degrees in February. How, how about that? So, so my schedule, uh, my, my profession allows me to have a little bit of a flexible schedule. And so it was uh, Thursday afternoon. I called Penny. I said, Penny, get ready, man. We're going for a bike ride. So we get out, we get the bikes out, and uh, we're heading down Byers Road uh, right here, and I saw the fox. <laughs> 4492 Byers Road is the fox sitting in this stump. I said, Penny, there's the fox. Look at that. Totally harmless, isn't he? Top hat, coat, legs crossed, kind of gentlemanly looking, right? And, and so um, I thought, you know, so last night I, I was... I was going to do what foxes do. So I went out after sunset. I'm just going to steal this guy. And I was going to take him off that post and bring him. I thought he'd be perfect sitting right here on the stage today. Wouldn't that be great? So, so I went out there and uh, he's chained down. He's chained down. Apparently, apparently there's other people like me. Let me just correct all that. I was not going to steal him. I wouldn't do that. Just to put, put you at ease. But I did think, man, it'd be great to have him in there. So I went out there. I went up to the owner of the house, and I said, man, this is totally random. But I said, you know your fox out there? I said, uh, I'm going to be preaching about foxes this weekend. I told him what we're doing here at Grand Point, And she just looked at me, kind of like, <laughs> so I'm like, is there any chance that, that I could borrow that fox? And she's like, well, let me tell you. She goes, I used to have these gardens in the, my, my backyard. She was a teacher. I don't know if anybody knows who lives at at this address, but she goes, I was a teacher and had all these gardens in the backyard and I had these little, you know, figures sitting around. This fox was in one of those gardens. But she goes, now that I'm older, I don't do the gardens anymore. So we just took this fox and set him on this tree. The tree died, so he's out there, but there are a lot of people that like him and kind of want to take him, so we have him chained down. <laughs> I said, okay, can I take a picture of him anyway? So here's the picture of, of this fox. I, but I think he looks harmless. I think he looks like a gentleman. 
But here's the thing. You need to know that these foxes are deceitful. They are deceitful little by little. They destroy our lives. And sometimes, oftentimes, they're discovered too late. So they're a little too dangerous to have. Don't let them into your vineyards because they will hinder. They'll destroy growth in in your life. So I just believe that we need to take some time at the end of this series and uh, talk about some of the common foxes. Some of the foxes that just come right into our vineyards and kind of do its damage. And then we're just going to end with some kind of, I don't know how we'll end this yet today, but maybe some kind of a commitment to get these foxes, to catch these foxes, because I don't want you, I don't want your marriage, I don't want your vineyards, I don't want this church to be unfruitful. So I want to identify some of those. Now, the reality is, and at identifying some of these, these aren't likely to be some big, evil, gross, depraved kind of, depraved kind of things. No, I mean, it could be, but the strong probability is that there are little foxes running loose that we don't even know, perhaps, or never even thought about, but they're doing their destructive damage right now. And if we can just catch a few of those foxes this morning, I think that'd be great. So you with me on this? Let's just identify a few of these foxes that I think are running loose right now and perhaps wanting to attack our vineyards. The foxes that hit our vineyards and need to be caught are number one is the fox of self-centeredness. The fox of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is only a little fox. Man, but it can cause terrible damage to a life, to a marriage, to a family, to a church. I think we all know what self-centeredness is, don't we? It's, it's self-explanatory. It means that we're centered on ourselves. It's like, it's like about me. You want things your way. It's the me generation that we live in right now. You frequently promote yourself, right? And you're always putting yourself out there. Look at me. Look at what I do. And you, you lack empathy and concern for others and so on. And I mention this fox first because I believe it is actually the DNA of sin, period. There's nothing more destructive in a relationship than self-centeredness. I mean, this is at the root of all the dumb and the nasty things that we do and say to each other. It's the reason why people tend to avoid us. It's the reason why some of us don't have many friends. It's the reason why churches sometimes produce bitter grapes giving the world a really good reason why never to attend church. The reason that self-centeredness is so damaging is because it is a horrible reversal of God's design. So it will never work. It will never work. See, you and I were constructed or created as social beings made to live in a vertical communion with God and a horizontal communion with each other. We were never created to be self-centered. We were created to be other-centered where we'd center on God, where we'd center on other people. And really, that's what makes life work. So so nothing in life works as it should when the human community is comprised of a bunch of self-appointed little sovereigns seeking to set up their own kingdoms. It will never, never work. That way of living precludes relationships. And I'll tell you, it guarantees war. In any relationship that you're in, if there's self-centeredness, there's going to be conflict. See, you were not created to be self-centered. You were created to be other-centered. And that other-centeredness that we were designed for and that God rescues us from us is the only way of living that allows us to bear the fruit of mutual respect and appreciation and grace and peace and growth. That's the only way that fruit will come out of us. Other-centeredness makes us attractive to the people around us. 
But you need to know that's not what the enemy wants. No, that's not what the enemy wants at all. So, so he deploys the little fox of self-centeredness and individualism into our relationships. I don't want to uh, take individualism and make it mean something perhaps that, that it doesn't. But let me give you a little example from U.S. history on how this might work. See, there's this recurring, uh, recurring uh, story in United States history and that it's that change, change comes to us, not through the seeking of new values, but rather the rehashing or elaborating of old ones. Let me explain. So for the last quarter of a century, the principle that has been varying so much uh, during the past quarter of the century in America is this idea of individualism. Now, it might have its positive uh, side to it back in the 60s. Obviously, there was a civil rights movement uh, that came out of individualism, the women's rights, and the, you know, the individual rugged uh, American kind of idea, uh, rugged individualism that made us strong in what it is. But there was also the little fox that came in with this whole idea of individualism. And see, Carl, ever Carl Ladd, professor of uh, political science at the University of Connecticut, says it this way. And I believe he wrote this in the Christian Science Monitor, but he says, individualism can insist that the individual person must somehow be placed at the center of things, and then his needs or her needs and aspirations then need to be served by the central social, economic, and political institutions. So it's this idea, individualism has led us to believe that we have these rights we have these rights to ourselves. We have these rights to our bodies. We have these rights to do what we want to do. And those rights need to be protected by the social constructs and the political institutions of today, which is exactly why the definition of marriage, the pro-choice movement, and this whole idea of gender reconstruction, it's why they have now become political institutions rather than moral absolutes. It's because this individualism, this fox of self-centeredness has, has, has snuck in and said, listen, you have a right to do whatever you want to. But see, this all began back in Genesis chapter 3 when this little fox in the form of a serpent came right into the vineyard. Right? And, and this, this fox at that moment, the serpent said to the man and to the woman, you will not die your eyes will be open. You will be like God. You see the self-centeredness? Oh, it's all over the place. And that lie destroyed the vineyard, and it is doing so ever since. Listen, self-centeredness will destroy a nation. It's why we are where we are in a nation. And it will destroy your opportunity to bear fruit in your life. You just open the door a little bit to self-centeredness. And it will bring a road of destruction behind you. So what do we do about this? Here's what I want you to do. A little assignment. Read Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8, sometime this week. This is a scripture that begins like this. Philippians 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So read that text, read it in its entirety, verses three to eight sometime this week, and then ask, has the fox of self-centeredness crept into my vineyard in any way, keeping me from bearing the fruit that serves God and serves other people? 
Now, if your answer is yes to that question, I don't want you to be discouraged or overwhelmed because the cross, listen to this, the cross was specifically designed to free us from slavery to ourselves. Oh, this is the beauty of the cross and what Jesus Christ did. The cross alone has the power to free us from that vacuum-sealed can of self-centeredness. It has the power to trap that fox, allow it to do so. The second fox that commonly hits our vineyards is the fox of inattention. We're just going to call it the fox of inattention. Uh, Penny said, I've never heard that word before. So I think, well, it's the opposite of attention, right? Inattention. So think of your physical body. Healthy people are healthy because they give attention to their bodies. They give attention to what they eat. They give attention to when a disease or illness comes into their bodies. They give attention to their need for regular exercise. A healthy person does not expect to be healthy without paying attention to and responding to what they see and feel. The very same thing is true in your spiritual vineyard. Your vineyard needs attention. Now, we've already talked about some of that attention. We've talked about cultivating the soil. We talked about pruning the branches because when you prune or cut out, it allows room for something new to grow. We've talked about all of that. But in all of this talk about the vineyard, I believe the most important thing, the most important part of this is the abiding. Do not neglect to abide in the vine. And allow the vine to abide in you. Listen, by abiding, I mean give God and his word some attention. Give it some attention. This can be your personal time with God, reading a devotional, reading your Bible every day. It can be personal time with God by connecting on Monday night to the men's group, Wednesday night men's group. It can be whatever other group you want. It might be the regeneration ministry, something that keeps you attentive to what God is doing and wants to do in your vineyard. See, the little fox of inattention will convince you that you don't have time for that. That little fox will come into your vineyard and make you so busy or have your mind so set on so many other things that you're not going to have time to do any of that. You don't have time to read God's word in the morning. The little fox will tell you. you may, the little fox might even tell you, you don't need this. I've got it. My life is good. I'm good. I don't, I don't need this. And that little fox will work into your vineyard and chew away at those, those vines. But just know you'll bear much fruit if you give attention to the word of God. If you give attention to that growth that you need in your life. Let me just throw out another challenge flag in this area. And this is to parents, maybe grandparents. Listen, there is something in your child's cell phone and headphones that has their attention. You know what that is? Do you know the average teen today spends seven hours and 22 minutes a day on their phone? There is something there that is keeping their attention. I can't do that. I don't think you can do that either. The average time that a child, a teen spends with their parents is is way less than that. But there's something in there, something coming through their phone, through their headphones that is grabbing their attention. What could possibly keep their attention that long? This week, another 17-year-old Christian kid uh, took his life as a result of sextortion. Victim of catfishing. Some of you know exactly what that is. If you don't, it's just this online deal where people are extorting our kids through sexual invitations and allurement, and they put them into this place where they don't have any way out of it. They kill themselves. 
Our kids right now, our teens, this is across America right now, our kids are more angry and depressed than ever, and that ought to give us a clue as to what is grabbing their attention. See, there's this little fox that sneaks into their vineyard and it's questioning their values, it's questioning their identity and their purpose, and it's wrecking them. And listen, as parents and grandparents and as a church, we cannot be inattentive to that. See, that fox of inattention could convince us that, man, we can't relate to them. We don't have time for them. Let them entertain themselves on their phones. Let them entertain themselves on whatever it is that's, that's grabbing their attention. We can't relate to them. But listen, I'm telling you, we need to trap that fox quickly. Let me give a shout out to all the students in this room. And if you're a student here, middle, high school, man, I just want to thank you for being a part of the vineyard right here at Grand Point Church. So, so come on, give a, give a hand for our students in the room here today. You guys are amazing. Man, we love you. You need to know right now, our youth ministry is exploding. Just this past week, we had 147 kids packed in one room coming together for worship, coming together for instruction, coming together to learn from each other. And listen, I believe right now, this entire church, as an entire church, we have this golden opportunity to give some attention to the next generation. But I visualize a day when we have a waiting list of adults ready to serve in Kids Point, helping to plant the seeds of new vineyards that will produce much fruit for the next generation. I mean, that's what's at us. We have that opportunity right now. So listen, don't let the fox of inattention keep you from abiding and keep you from giving attention to the next generation of vineyards. What do we do about this? Let me give you another assignment. Sometime this week, read Psalms 78 verses 1 to 8. Read all those verses. This is the scripture that begins by saying, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. We will not hide them from our children but we will tell the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. What if that would grab their attention? So we can do. So read verses one to eight and then ask, then ask, what am I going to do to help the next generation be a vineyard that produces much fruit? Something else that destroys a vineyard, we'll wrap it up with this but I believe it's the fox of uncharitable judgments. Here at Grand Point Church, man, we want to be like Planet Fitness, a no-judgment zone. We're just a bunch of people coming together to work out our faith. That's what we do. It doesn't matter if you've been here for 50 years or if you just came here from jail, we're all in the same boat. We're all a work in progress. We're all at the same place. And listen, I do believe that we're doing this very well right now. There's some amazing things happening in our ministries here at Grand Point Church. You know that our doors are open to anyone. On Monday evening, our doors are open to a group of men, half of which do not attend Grand Point Church or maybe even attend church at all. But they're here getting into the word of God. They're here working into each other's lives with real, raw conversations so that they're learning to grow from each other. It's an amazing, and it's building. On Wednesday evening, there's not an empty room in this building. Wednesday evenings, not an empty room in this building. In fact, this past week, this past Wednesday, I actually saw people meeting in the cafe kitchen because there's no other place to go. 
that little gallery kitchen, a couple people in there. I saw a group, a small group forming a circle right back here at the back of the sanctuary, right inside the doors, because it was one of the only available spaces for a small group to meet. In addition to all of our students meeting all over the building in their small groups, there are now 12 small groups meeting for re-engage marriage ministry. But here's what happens when things like this go on. Sometimes there's judgments that come out of that. And we're sitting back and we're like, seriously? We've got that many people who need to work on their marriage? No, we just have that many people who are willing to work on and strengthen a real life relationship within community and with vulnerability. So Thursday nights, we're open here to regeneration. And there's a growing number of people now coming to regeneration. But we could easily sit back and make, do you see who's coming to regen right now? Do you wonder what their problem is, right? And we begin to make all of these judgments. And we begin to ask, you know, kind of inadvertently, are there that many people coming to our church who are with addictions and other major problems? My answer to that question would be no. No, it just means that we have a small percentage of an entire messed up church who are willing to step out and help themselves and help others uh, with new beginnings in their lives. That's it. But listen, I'll tell you right now, foxes are attracted to new blossoms and to new branches. And ministries like this, what is happening at Grand Point Church right now is ripe for judgment. And uncharitable judgments lead to let me just say it, lead to gossip. Leads to gossip, which is one of the most damaging things that you could ever do to a vineyard. It's the vineyard of your own family, the vineyard of your community, the vineyard of this church, the vineyard of your small group, whatever it is. You begin to gossip, it destroys the, it destroys the branches. No fruit comes out of that at all. Someone said last night, I believe this is a good definition. They said, listen, if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, most likely it's gossip. So there you go. If it's not impacting you, or if you're not there to help with charity, with love, don't talk about it. Don't talk about other people. See, the only reason we do that is because it makes us feel better. It's not bearing the fruit that we want to bear. Right? The other thing that uncharitable judgments does, man, it leads to a critical spirit. You get critical of everything. It's going to be open and I'll be vulnerable with you. That's kind of one of the things I'm working on right now. This whole critical thing. I, I've, I've just, you know, kind of realized recently that, man, I've been, I've been critical of a lot of things. So I'm, I'm critical of our church, denomination, affiliation. I get critical of other seminaries because, of course, mine was the only right good one that I went to, right? So, you know, I get critical of this and that and, and uh, I mean, I think you all know that I don't mind other people coming up here on the stage and preaching. I often invite other people to do that. In fact, some, if I'm here, I'll sit right down here for services to listen to them preach. But here, here's, how, here's how messed up I am. I'm sitting there, right? And this person's preaching here. She's up here speaking. And I, I get critical, like, I could do that better. That's not a good delivery. That's not the right way to do that. I could, I could handle this a little better than they are. I'm like, shame on me. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to work to trap that fox of a critical spirit, like in my own life. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person. That doesn't give any good fruit anywhere. I want to change that to be encouraging. 
Now, I, I get constructive criticism and all that. We want to help people, but not just to talk about them or just not, not just constantly, you know, making yourself better than they are. There's many other little foxes that we could talk about today, I think, that are perhaps loose in the vineyard. Little foxes of unresolved conflict, foxes of unforgiveness, Whew, that will mess you up. Foxes of bitterness, you just let a little bitterness come in. Man, it destroys the fruit in your life. Jealousy, I mean, you name it. You might be thinking right now, man, of all these things that are just kind of coming in and messing with you. So I'm not a um, hunter. I'm not a fisherman. But my claim to being an outdoorsman is, man, I'm a trapper. Yep, I'm a trapper. So back when I was like 12, 15 years old, in that stage of my life, man, I was a trap. I was into trapping muskrats, right? Pesky little muskrats that kind of worked their way into pond banks and destroyed them. And so I lived in a farm and I had this pond and I could see where muskrats were. I went to neighbor's ponds and was looking for muskrats because I was the trapper. Breaking ice to get into their holes. I mean, I was, I was like the trapper. That's who I am. So as this big outdoorsman, trapper guy, right, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I should trap something bigger than muskrats. How about fox? So I actually thought about trapping fox, and I talked to a couple of friends who trapped fox, but, but I never did it until now. Till now. Now I'm realizing, man, there's some foxes that are just coming into my vineyard, and that is that fox of that critical spirit. By golly, I want to trap that fox. I don't want that fox destroying my vineyard. Listen, I want to bear fruit with my life. I want you to bear fruit with your life. I want this church to bear fruit, right? So let's trap the foxes. Thought about ending this service by doing that, what does a fox say kind of thing, right? We, we could get all kinds of, you guys got it ready? I don't know, this team's not ready to go, but what does a fox say? But I thought maybe it'd be better to just say, listen, are there any foxes that we just need to trap this morning? Could even be a nice little chant, right? Trap that fox, trap that. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you an invitation today. Just come to this altar. Maybe right where you're at today, just say, listen, man, if there's any foxes that you know are hitting your vineyards right now, man, just lay them down. Let's lay them down. Let's surrender that. Trap the foxes so that we can bear much fruit in our lives. We're going to end our service by singing this song that we've been doing called New Wine. It's an amazing song. It's a song where we're actually asking God to, man, press us, crush us, do whatever it takes to have new wine just flow out of our lives. And perhaps today, with that crushing, with that pressing in, it's trapping, trapping the fox, catching the foxes that are ruining the vineyards. So listen, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it right now that's gnawing away at the branches? What are the, what are the new blossoms that you feel are, are just being attacked right now. And listen, maybe you just want to even come and maybe just commit this to the Lord on behalf of the church because there are some new blossoms right now coming out of people's lives. There's new growth. There's new branches that are happening. And I'll tell you right now, the foxes are coming after that, whether it's in you personally or whether it's in, you, in this church corporately. So as we sing this song, listen, I want you to just come and just kneel at the altar, maybe right where you're at, just pray.
and just ask that God would trap the fox so new wine, new wine can just flow out of your life. Go ahead and stand. And as we sing, as we sing, I just want you to respond by just coming, praying, releasing the foxes, trapping the foxes that ruin us.